Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Judge Eileen Cannon. Corrupt Judge Eileen Cannon. Inexperienced Judge Eileen Cannon. Trumpy, MAGA, radical right-wing Judge Eileen Cannon. All these words used to describe Judge Eileen Cannon seem apt, seem appropriate in light of what we now know about Judge Eileen Cannon. Yes, that Judge Eileen Cannon, the federal judge who sits in the Fort Pierce Division of the Southern District of Florida. She's the only judge in Fort Pierce. The Southern District of Florida has other divisions as well, like West Palm, which is clearly closer to where Mar-a-Lago is located. And Judge Eileen Cannon, infamous, notorious, corrupt Judge Eileen Cannon, has come into focus a lot lady, lately since she was the judge purportedly randomly assigned. There's random assignments. Trump just happened to draw her, if you believe the random assignments, but they're supposed to be randomly assigned to federal judges. To Judge Eileen Cannon, who ruled on his motion for judicial oversight and related relief, a completely frivolous motion on its face that legal observers could barely even decipher what the hell Trump was asking for. But Judge Eileen Cannon, who was appointed by Donald Trump in 2020 after Donald Trump lost the election by 
millions and millions and millions and millions of votes, Judge Eileen Cannon appointed a special master or granted the request to appoint a special master. They're still sorting out who that special master would ultimately be. And Judge Eileen Cannon granted an injunction in favor of Donald Trump to stop the Department of Justice from using any of the documents that it lawfully obtained in connection with the valid search warrant on August 8th when it conducted its search of Mar-a-Lago in connection with its criminal investigation into Donald Trump for violations of the Espionage Act for obstruction, for mutilation, concealment of government records. Each of those carrying with it 5, 10, 20 years in prison per document, which would put Donald Trump in jail for the rest of his life. Frankly, conviction on any one of those charges, and rightfully so, we've learned as well that the documents at issue may contain not just and I say not just top secret sensitive compartmented information, which is the highest, highest, highest level of classified documents within our government. So, so highly classified that you can only look at them in special uh, compartmentalized information facilities with witnesses and other protocols in place, but also potentially nuclear secrets of foreign countries or at least one foreign country that Trump was just so happened to be keeping with him at Mar-a-Lago. Well, Judge Eileen Cannon said, even though executive branch owns executive branch documents and Donald Trump, a former president, does not own documents, you can't go and steal top secret sensitive compartmented information or frankly any government documents. Past presidents can't steal our nation's secrets and do with it whatever they please. Judge Eileen Cannon said, we'll let the special master decide that. Deciding a very established precedent, an important precedent, a very basic precedent, that the executive branch, the Department of Justice, should be able to look at its own records. The Department of Justice is the executive branch. They should be able to look at their own top secret sensitive compartmented information. And we shouldn't be rewarding despicable and disgusting criminals like Donald Trump who steal, who steal our nation's secrets. We should absolutely condemn and criticize and ensure that there is full accountability under the law for such dastardly and despicable acts. But no, Judge Eileen Cannon, corrupt Judge Eileen Cannon, granted an injunction. And for purposes of this podcast, I'll tell you, go and look at my other YouTube videos to get more detailed analysis on Judge Cannon's specific rulings and on the Department of Justice's notice of appeal and motion for partial stay where the Department of Justice is saying, look, Judge, you're so wrong on everything. We're going to appeal everything to the Court of Appeals, the 11th Circuit. But we want a motion for partial stay to stop you from enforcing your order as it relates to the 100 
classified records that we've already reviewed, we've already looked at, unquestionably under any analysis, can't possibly, can't possibly belong to someone who stole it. And judge, this is a matter of national security. So if you don't allow us to continue to look at our own documents, these classified records, well, blood will be on your hands. You will be destroying the national security interests of this country. And not in those exact words, that's basically what the Department of Justice said. Let's focus just on those documents. It was a brilliant legal maneuver because now Trump's only response would have to be his only response could be i own those top classified records he has to focus now on those subset of records which is what the doj narrowed it down to the goj said look all those government records are ours and in fact criminal law 101 search warrant law 101 we are completely within our rights to take all of the records that we did but judge we're going to appeal all of that to the 11th circuit but now Let's just focus on these classified records since our national interest is at stake. So Trump has to say those are mine, in which case he's admitting to the crimes that he stole them. He'd be stipulating to the crimes or he has to claim that he declassified them and that he should have them. I mean, by the way, classification is not a requirement of any of the criminal statutes that he could be prosecuted under. It's simply stealing the records that belong to the government. That's what the Espionage Act has and obstruction and the other count. So the ball is in Trump's court now. And if he claims he declassifies it, which is, I suppose, how he would say that's why it's not, or it's less bad, I suppose, but doesn't that make it worse in many ways? So you declassified without even knowing what it was with a magic wand, our nation's top secrets? nuclear information you declassified it you don't even have the right to declassify nuclear secrets but that's what you're claiming that you declassified so it boxes trump in and boxes judge eileen cannon in. i give you all of that context because on this podcast on this special edition i want to give you judge eileen cannon's background to demonstrate one that she was completely inexperienced and unqualified and two that also would demonstrate that Judge Eileen Cannon has some serious red flags in her past and in what Trump tried to do in getting other cases to be forum shopped with her in the past. So let's break it down. Before doing that, I want to let you all know that the Midas Touch uh, channel by popular demand, because you all asked for it and because it's important that we build our community, that we are now on Patreon. You can go check us out at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch. And I want you all to check out patreon.com slash Midas Touch. What I'm going to do here for this one, I don't want you to get upset or mad, so I apologize in advance. I'm going to have some of this analysis and the remainder of the analysis, I'll keep going a little bit longer, um, reside on Patreon where we're going to have exclusive content, content. But I want to let you know this too. Don't worry, we're still going to have 
the same podcast that you're used to, the same daily content on this podcast network that you're used to. None of that is going to change at all because we have a Patreon account. But we are not funded by billionaires or decamillionaires or millionaires or even $100,000 heirs. We're funded by you, the Midas Mighty. And we've been hearing, how can you help build the Midas Touch Network? How could you be a part of the Midas Touch Network? And one of the feedback that we got is, why don't you start a Patreon account? You could put some other exclusive benefits up there. And for example, one of the exclusive benefits for one of the packages is you could become a producer of the Midas Touch podcast. And as a producer, your name will appear at the end of the podcast. After a certain amount of months, you're going to get a big uh, poster commemorating that you're a producer of the Midas Touch podcast. Other packages, you can get postcards uh, sent by me and my brothers. Um, we give exclusive updates. We have photographs of us behind the scenes stuff. And so it just allows us to have some additional engagement. And it's a way that you can help support and build this Midas Touch Network. But the Patreon won't affect our YouTube content. It's not going to affect our podcast content. I'm going to keep talking more about this here. And then go to Patreon and you can listen to some of the uh uh, the concluding thoughts that I have on this specific video, but we're going to have some exclusive content over there. And we try to have a number of packages that are, you know, reasonable and just ways that we could further engage the community. We also have this discord chat there for members where you can talk to other members. So I'll stop blabbering and let me go back to the red flags of judge Eileen Cannon. So when judge Eileen Cannon was appointed to become a judge, she had to fill out a questionnaire. An individual who I thought did a really good job at breaking down the questionnaire, and he did a tweet string on it, I want to give him credit for doing so, is somebody by the name of Peter Vroom. Peter Vroom did a good job showing that Judge Eileen Cannon, at the time she was appointed in 2020, was a 38-year-old lawyer with a very minimal and bare resume. When you become a federal judge, it is a lifetime appointment, which is why it is critical that you have highly qualified and very experienced people who have the right credentials for the job. And as you dig deeper into her questionnaire that talks about her background, her professional experience, uh, the work she contributed to the legal community before she was appointed, um, is very, very minimal to non-existent. And so one of the things, and Peter Vroom points this out in his thread, that her professional experience was so limited that she was forced to admit on her questionnaire to the Senate Judiciary Committee, and she never made any speeches, produced any reports. She never participated in any panel discussions. She never spoke at any conferences. She never had written for any bar associations. Um, also, in the 12 years she was a lawyer, she never published any papers. I mean, what she cited as things that she worked on was when she was in her private law firm as an associate, she never made partner. When she worked at a law firm, they wrote articles about their cases, but they never... Um, she never actually wrote like an article on a topic or like a law review article. And... 
when asked about like things that she wrote and writing experiences in her questionnaire that she had to submit to the judiciary committee. Um, she talked about like an internship that she had where she wrote about things like prenatal yoga and flamenco and explosion of energy and passion. So things that she did during like a two month internship is what she wrote about the writings that are supposed to be important for her to become appointed to become a federal judge. And then when she was asked about any like interviews she gave, the interview she lists is an interview for her wedding, um, uh, which was written in one of like the local uh, wedding trade magazines where she just talked about like the wedding planner. And that's what she cited as her writing experience. I mean, how kind of strange and bizarre can you be there? She also uh, was asked a question by one of the Democratic senators uh, to answer why she joined the Federalist Society. And her response was very disingenuous. Her response was she just wanted to learn about more ideas. And she thought that that was a great way to learn more about ideas and to gain more knowledge, really. That's why you joined the Federalist Society in 2005. B.S. That's what she claimed very disingenuously. Then she was asked a question by Senator Booker. Question, do you believe that judicial restraint is an important value for an appellate judge to consider in deciding a case? If so, what do you understand judicial restraint to mean? Her response, yes. My understanding of judicial restraint is that judges should exercise, quote, neither force nor will, but merely judgment. And she cites the Federalist number 78. She goes, I understand judicial restraint to mean the application of enacted law to the facts as they are established by the evidence without regard to whether the judge personally agrees with the results of that analysis. Judicial restraint also entails refraining from deciding questions that are unnecessary to resolving the case or controversy before the court. Now, obviously, her view of judicial restraint is directly, directly at odds to what her ruling was in connection with Trump's motion for judicial oversight, where she basically challenged what the Supreme Court's law is and what the basic fundamental separation of powers is and what the executive branch is and the roles of what the FBI are supposed to do and what the Department of Justice does. So clearly she doesn't act. It didn't have judicial restraint at all. Hey, hey, Ben Micellis here. So now the rest of this analysis will be on the Patreon website. So if you want to listen to the rest of this podcast, Go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch. Go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch so you can hear the rest of this exclusive podcast offering. And it's a great way you can support independent media. You can subscribe to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Thank you so much for your support. And you could also go to store.midastouch.com, S T O R E.midastouch.com for some of the top unapologetic pro democracy merch out there. But again, one way you can support the Midas Touch independent media network is by going to 
Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. Thank you so much. Thank you.